Welcome to another episode of Supercoach Insider. My name is Ben. And I'm Chris. And unfortunately, we are talking about Collingwood today. <laughs> uh, you mean fortunately. With uh, the uh, Collingwood team analysis. So Chris, I'm going to let you take the reins. Uh, of course, you know, as you do. I mean, you know, I don't support the team for nothing. Um, it's going to be a great one. Um, there is, It's interestingly with Collingwood, which is I, I find completely fascinating. They have this second most Supercoach points um, of any side, but they don't really have any really, apart from Grundy, there's not really much else in terms of real great premium value. That's true. I mean, can well, we just have a, a quick little moment, Chris, to interrupt with Dane Beams? Um, look, I think all best to him, hats off to him. Let's just hope he gets to a happy place. I mean, it can't be hard. I know a few people and even myself have had tough times. So, look, if you are doing it tough out there, please do seek help. I know we laugh and talk a whole bunch of smack, but seriously, though, you're not alone. You can reach out and I just hope he finds a good place. I thought it was Absolutely. really good of him. He uh, gave up his uh, premiership medal, and um, he put that up for donation. And uh, regardless of Buckley's greatest efforts to try and actually get a premiership medal, he was unsuccessful <laughs> um, to finally get that premiership medal. And I'm just happy that Eddie McGuire, they bought it and they've kept it in-house, and I think that's just a happy story. That was a good end to that Happy story, story all around. Um, I would have been upset if the clubs didn't buy it, because just um, like, you well, don't want to just uh, out there. Well, just like Combank buying bloody Shane Warne's uh, baggy grand cap for a million dollars, and then they're going to put it in the, I think it's in the Bradman Museum or something rather in Sydney. Oh, so, that's, that's cool. Yeah. I like that. That's good publicity for them. Absolutely. But um, um, anyway, hats off to Eddie and everyone else and everyone that's uh, supporting money for the bushfires as well. Cheers to you. Yeah, good on you. Uh, so Collingwood have the round 13 buy, which is probably your worst buy that you want. Um, and unfortunately for them, their main relevant player, uh, in Grundy, shares that same buy with Melbourne. Why is it the worst buy round, Chris? For the people out there that can't understand that, the why isn't the first buy round the worst buy round? The first buy round, it, once you get through it, you can trade to players that are from that first buy round. Whereas the second buy round is harder to... Tr- like, you can't really trade him in because it's that awkward middle stage. Um... And also the teams around in that buy are all that they have a heavy. There's a heavy amount of premiums in it, so it's a okay. it's a tough buy to navigate. So but there's a heavy amount of premiums it's in ma- that middle. It's round. mainly the fact that you at the twelfth buy you don't have many teams that you can select players to replace your current players with. So, however, the round eleven guys are. Oh, sorry, sorry, the sorry, the round twelve is the first round, thirteen is the second. Um, the round twelve players, there's only six teams that you'll be able to select from, um, and the round thirteen one. Uh, you, you, sorry, you would have, sorry, by round 14, you've got 12 teams to select from. So you've got more of an opportunity to upgrade to different players with different buys. First one's not that bad because once you get over it, you can just trade to them. The, the, the round 13 one is the is the one you want to try and avoid if you can. Okay. Um, so that's uh, that's why. Um, it, they have a ridiculously tough fixture. And I'm like, uh, they had a tough fixture last year and I'm like, fair enough. It's not because they know, play Brisbane twice, is it? No, well, here's the thing, though. Their double-ups are so bad. Like, they have the worst double-ups, I think, in the league. That's like, In a good d- way. Maybe biased, but they play Richmond twice. Probably going to lose those ones. Richmond seemed to just smack us all over the park. <laughs> um, West Coast time. twice, who are always just kicking our ass the last couple of years. Yeah, really Ouch. fantastic about that. Brisbane, obviously, is a hard game. Yeah. Our weaker teams, unfortunately, are Essendon, who's supposed to be up and coming, and they're supposed to make a charge of the eight again. They won't this year. And Melbourne, who... 
we know that Melbourne could be a top four side if they put their shit together. So I think yeah. personally, Collingwood have a much harder draw than what champion data rated as. Yeah, um, that's fair. I mean, the good thing with Collingwood is they don't really leave Melbourne. Uh, they leave Melbourne less than true. Richmond. Uh, I think I understand your condolences though. Like with um, like Brisbane, like yes, they're an up and coming side, but they they generally make you work for it. Absolutely. So it, even when we won, yeah, like, they make it you was, work. That that game up here at the Gabba was fantastic. Well, and Geelong but, would know that you can't just rest on your laurels being three goals up. <laughs> Absolutely. Anything can happen. Um, so look, I do think they have a tough tough double up games. They have a rough start as well. So it, um, they start with games at the Bull, against the Bulldogs at Etihad, which is a tough game for them uh, because Bulldogs play Etihad so well. Um, then they play Richmond, then they play Hawthorne, and then Brisbane at the Gabba. Like you, you probably couldn't ask for a much harder f- initial four games. Um, but, look, they had a fantastic season. They finished fourth. They were one p- win and percentage outside of top spot, which is pretty good. That's a pretty good year. Um, they should have won the preliminary final. I think that, in, in all, in my honest assessment of the game after it, um, Buckley was outcoached. I think that it's as simple as that. I think that he was outcoached in the day, and he'd probably say the same thing. Do you want to know something I didn't mention last podcast, Chris? What's that, mate? I am still yet to watch Brisbane versus GWS. Oh, don't do it. I haven't. The last five minutes. I, have, I haven't. Bad. I haven't. I actually watched the last oh. five minutes live. GWS got away with everything. Man. I because you, you, when you're there at the game, you don't see I have all the free it. kicks that could have gone. I've been meaning to, oh. but I just can't bring myself to do it. Like, why would I? I just might as well live the highlight reel <laughs> and just watch the games that we win. You know, what I mean, like watch the last ten minutes of the Geelong game and just feel good about myself. I, I like it. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. The actual Full the season finished at the end of the season, like at the end of round twenty three. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, so uh, it was a tough learning curve. Um. I, and I do think that they'll be back somewhere around the top four this year, even with that. Tough draw. Um, it would just be depending on where they land. All of their players, you know, they didn't really lose anything in the off season of note. Um, but I will obviously go through that. Uh, as I said, um, they are actually the second highest uh, super coach per game scoring team. Um, yep. They're zero point seven points behind GWS, who is number one. Um, it's probably because ha- Collingwood get a whole bunch of uncontested possessions. Absolutely, which uh, will definitely steal my time. All oh, right. <laughs> Man, I, I'm allowed to chime in. Um, right? They continue to be a, a strong side on and off the football field, um, and they do get, they're getting better because they're young talent. They do still have a, a, a lot of young talent that either hasn't really had much game time or is about to get some more game time coming through. Um, as with Adelaide uh, in the last pod, Collingwood actually dominated uncontested possession in 2019 uh, with a very similar game plan. They didn't actually win a majority of clearances. However, they did win the ball a lot off halfback and chipped the ball around and then they slingshot to the forward line. The difference between them and Adelaide, though, is that they actually had very good ball movement and they led the league in effective disposals um, and were second in marks inside 50 and third inside uh, a third for contested marks. So when they moved the ball forward... They had those three super fast, ridiculous small forwards that could just get out and mark on the lead. And they and had good, and they also had good movement patterns. Like you even look at uh, yep. what was it versus Geelong in the prelim, or whatever it was, Stevenson hitting Elliot Yo on on the lead. Like they just make good, they make good patterns, and they yep. hit it, and they and they actually kick to their targets, which is great. It's a very very unique system where um, you know obviously Brody Mycheck and Mason Cox were their you know two key tools, but they don't kick to them to mark the ball. They kick to them to make a contest so that the smalls can get around them which is really helped their ball movement moving forward. Um, and it's something to watch this year because I think they might have a slight change there. 
Uh, all relies really on Jordan Dugowie. Um I think he's easily um, Collingwood's best player so right I, now. I was going to say, Chris, that could be a good life lesson for some people there. Sometimes they say they want big, but really they just want the small. <laughs> so they say they want it, but they, can they take it? They just is want, the difference. They, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, you can't say that. You have to be subtle. No, I'm more direct than that. They're setting up for the big, but they just want the small. <laughs> of course, I like it. Let's talk a big game. Anyway, um, sorry, go on. But they still have Stevenson and Elliott, so it'll be interesting to see um, you know, what sort of weapons that they do. The great thing about all those three players is they're obviously very fast and very good to, on the ground level, but they also can take a hanger. Yes. So Stevenson, Dugowie, and Elliott, all well, fantastic aerially for smalls. Stevenson has to be a watch, though. I'm interested in Stevenson this year. Oh, um, don't do it. I don't think, no. I, I, I'm thinking for a draft perspective, but definitely not from... I'm monitoring Stevenson just because, he, yes, he did get 300s and he is improved. However, he does have glandular fever to get over. So uh, It'll be fun. Yes. Uh, so be cautious. Uh, he could be a Heaney, gets over it and whatever have you, but I am definitely watching him in the next couple of months before draft. Yep. Um, to be honest, the big talking point around the entire club um, and moving forward for Supercoach this year is how their forward line will change with the emergence of Darcy Cameron. So they traded in the off-season for Darcy Cameron, who's a ruck forward um, type, hasn't played in Sydney, but was pretty unlucky to not get games the last couple of years with their ruck issues. Yes. Um, and part of that, um, from a city perspective, is always that he was more of a forward and less of a ruckman, and he wasn't as impactful, and a little bit soft is what he was really labelled. Um, Piacem is a solution to their problem, and their biggest problem right now is their depth in tall forwards. Yes. Anytime that either Brody Mycheck went down or Mason Cox went down, and he was down with an eye issue at the end of the year, they basically put Jordan Roughhead or Darcy Moore forward, and it just did not work the same way. So do you see him getting games if you have a fit Cox? Well, that is the big question. And a fit Ben Reid? Well, I don't think Ben Reid's best 22 anymore. I'm probably with you there. I don't like he signed on for an extra year. But who don't else? know why. I don't know like he's offering depth, and that's about it, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they line up round one because I think that they may go back to a traditional three big setup. So the two Cox, Mycheck, and Cameron. I do think so. Yeah. Okay. Because when they 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 really lacked the presence of someone forward when Cox was in the ruck. What I think they will do now is have Darcy Cameron to play that ruck forward, keep Mason Cox at full forward where he belongs, and play him close to the goal square where he can be the most impactful. So I do think that there might be a shift. Now, that shift could result in someone like Jordan Dugowie moving into the midfield. If that happens, big numbers for Jordan Dugowie. Only okay. problem with Jordan Dugowie really is he can, can't really stay in the park for a full season. But I can see if that... That's a natural progression. I see them wanting to get midfield time into Jordan Dugowie because he dominates when he's in there. Whether or not they do that this year and pull the trigger and change their forward structure, it'll be it's a bit up in the air, but preseason hopefully will shine a light on that. Yes, I was going to say, Jordan Dugowie spends more time in the dog park than on the park. <laughs> a good old dog joke. Oh, I love it. Wait till the Kernel jokes come um, But look, the reason why I think, um, I think that will happen is because they traded for Cameron as a needs basis. They didn't draft someone in. They traded specifically yep. for him. He's uh, they been grinding his time too, so surely at some point he needs opportunity. Absolutely. And, yeah. I, why, why would he agree to go to a team where he knows he's not going to be the number one ruck if they're not guaranteeing him game time? I don't yep. see the point of him moving from Sydney where he's not playing no. to go to Collingwood to not play again. 
I kind of see it more as a, it's a needs basis. He's probably going to get game time. And that's why I think he's probably going to be in most people's teams. Not only that, I think early. Naismith was ahead of him as well. Whereas at least yeah. at Collingwood, it's like, yeah, you got Cox who's doing well, but at the same time, Cox could easily be shit-canned. Yep. If he doesn't well, do well. Darcy or he Cameron could, could have a really good preseason. Yeah. And all of a sudden, even if they're going too bigs, Mason Cox could be out of the team. Yeah, it could be. I think Brody Marchek's fairly solid to stay in there. He just creates a contest and, and it creates a I think habit. I think you're right. He has real good like flash in the pans. And he can roost at 60 metres. He's yep. a huge kick. Yep. Um, list changes. So, Goldsack, unfortunately, retired. Um, absolute legend of the club, but um, he has retired. Let's not um, bring personal agenda into this. Just <laughs> say you retired and move on. Uh, Daniel Wells finally retired as well. Um, yep. James Aish, thank God, is off to Frio. <laughs> um, they delisted Sam Murray Cokehead and uh, Ben Crocker's off to Adelaide. They also delisted um, Lyndon Dunn. They, they actually had planned to re-rookie him, uh, but to this stage haven't yet. He's still training with the club, yeah. so there's every chance that they may actually rookie him this year um, before the round one bounce. I don't think he's going to be a starting spot. It's more of a squad depth. He wouldn't be available till partway through anyway, would he? Like, isn't no, he's, he... he's fully training. What? He's back. He did his ACL. Yeah, he did it at the start of last year. All right. I thought yeah. he was Lyndon Dunn. Um, so it'd be interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah okay. I don't know if they're, they're cool. going to. They could um, use the depth in defence. Well, though. they like him in the in the locker room anyway. Like he's he's a good leader off the pitch. So regardless, he'll probably still have a role at Collingwood, whether or not that's team related or or just in a coaching capacity. I think he'll still be there. That's true. Um, and Max Lynch, who not many people know, he is a rookie. Um, he was promoted to the senior list, and he is a, also a ruck forward type player. But I think with them trading in for Cameron, I can't see you Lynch. You see him behind him? Yeah, yep. I do see him very much behind him. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, premiums. Uh, so we'll start in defense, and there's really only one premium this year, um, and that was Jack Crisp. It wasn't really a huge premium anyway, but he made a lot of sides in the back end of the year because he did go on a big run of form. He averaged 88.9, and he did see some mid-time, uh, but not really enough to get a point spike. He actually went down from 95 to 88. Well, the funny thing was, in his last 10 rounds, he actually had five scores of 98+, plus, mm -hmm. which is good, but then he also had a 62, a 66, and a 67, which were three of his four lowest scores for the season And this, in the last 10. unfortunately, is the biggest bane of the Collingwood backline. Collectively, they score a huge number of Supercoach points. However, any given week, one of them pops up and then the other ones go down. They don't really have, this is our quarterback. This is who we're going to kick to. It's everyone plays team defense. Everyone buys in. Everyone has their time to shine. You've got a lot of guys like Jeremy Howe, Tom Langdon, Darcy Moore. All of them play the exact same role. All of them peel off and intercept the ball, but they're all averaging somewhere between 75 and 90 and no one's really going crazy. Well, so We did also say that... Um you're looking at Darcy Moore being that tall, intercepting kind of marking player that he he actually did have an effect on Howe, which was absolutely interestingly enough because Howe was averaging like 90 to 95. Yep. And what he averaged this year, looking at what, uh, 80 75 flat? or something. 79 yeah. maybe? What was it? Uh, it was bad. 79.5. Yeah. So 79.5. Uh, also, Jeremy Howe only had 68.8% time on ground, which is horribly low. Yep. Um, I know he had a few issues, but still, that is definitely not a good return. Tom Langdon will return. Um, and Ooh, that could... no. No? Is he not? Uh, Tom Langdon, he... here's the story, though. The story, uh, he, he, he got injured, he rested for two months, and apparently that, that rest for two months didn't actually help his chronic knee cartilage injury. Oh, great. So he then had surgery, and he's unlikely to play early. So Ooh, okay. for me, I would avoid in draft. I would wait until he came back. I would let someone else take that risk at a 74.7 average. 
um, yeah, they they he had an issue. I think he had um, yeah some knee cartilage issues or whatever. And they're like, hey, rest will do it. Two months of rest. The season finishes. They start to get in the preseason or whatever. Rest hasn't finished it, so I fixed it. So they then put him off for surgery. So apparently. By the reports that I've seen, he's unlikely to play early. He might, but I wouldn't okay. be. So it just depends on his recovery. Correct. Okay. So hold but off he definitely on comes one. back this year. Oh, he's very, and very good for them. But just yeah, as far as super coach and draft. Don't well, the, the good thing about um, Langman coming back is he frees up one of their other defenders to play higher up the ground. Because realistically, you've got Roughhead and Moore who'll take the two keys, yep. and the third tall would usually fall to either. Uh, Jeremy Howe. Scharenberg, or, if he's fit. Scharenberg doesn't is not a really. I don't think best twenty two, if everyone's fit. Oh. So which is which is a shame because he's such a talent. He is. But and he's also coming back from injury as well. But um, again, another intercepting defender. They have a lot of these players. They've also got um, IQ or Isaac uh, Keenor yes. that they want to try and get into the team. So I, I'm not exactly sure how they're going to line up round one in in defence. Um, it's a very, very interesting proposition. They've got so many of the same type. So how they roll out this year. They were playing Tom Langdon in more of a lockdown role in the back end of 2018 um, and the start of last year. So we'll see how that rolls around. Yeah. What I think about Jack Crisp is that um, like, I don't think there's a spot for him in the midfield. On the wing, yeah, but is that going to really increase his average? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's a risky effort to, to go for him in, a, in standard. Um He's got everything to make it. Uh, like he has a high ceiling when he when he's on. Yeah, he's, and he can, can definitely huge. accumulate. Like when they yeah. use him, they really use him. But the problem is, is that he his fantasy numbers are better than his super coach numbers, right? So he averaged eighty eight point nine. So he's definitely his disposals. He's yeah. <laughs> go long down the line. The long down the line just doesn't the, the, work sometimes. The, the fifty meter kick to no one is also called. <laughs> it's also called the crisp kick. <laughs> the crisp. And um, in classic crisp look, fashion, he, he could a, a very easy turnover goal. Yes, correct. He he could he could average you low nineties. He could be top ten. I can't see him being top six, which makes him not start relevant. And with the bad buy. For me, yes. And if you're only going with two premiums, I don't think he's with in the, the mix. With the value in defense, I know not many people will start him, so don't start him for that reason. He's also someone, because it's... he gets those really stinker games, you'll pick him up during the season for the same price. You don't need to start with him. He's yes. someone you can upgrade to. I agree. Yeah. If, if he does start to do well and you want to bring him in, you can bring him in for the same price. It's not, a big, not a big concern. He's not going to hurt you. Unlike, a, a say, a Sicily type who... Probably around the same kind of, or actually no, not the same price. Maybe Sicily is a little bit more expensive, but Sicily has a high ceiling. Mm-hmm. Sicily could hurt you if he gets on run on games, whereas um, Crisp, you'll be able to get him at the same price. Absolutely, and risk, yeah. risk reward. It's, I I, yeah. I do think um, I don't think there's much value in a Crisp pick either. So for for draft purposes, you pick him where where you, you wouldn't pick him below eighty eight. I don't think he's worth picking at ninety or ninety five over someone else. Yeah, I think you pick him at, at eighty eight at a stretch ninety. 88 to 90. He's 88.9. Yeah. I wouldn't pick him over a 90. I think you'll just take him around that 90 or under. I'm probably going to leave him because I can't stand watching yeah, him Yeah, you are. See, from, an un, un, from an unbiased point of view, I'd pick him around the 90 average or below. He's, he's the one per... And I don't... I, I, I'm very animated when I watch the football. He's your, as, he's you, as, your, you, as you know. He's your Dane Rampy, Chris. Oh, mate. I tell you what. I yell so he's your, much. He's your Dane Rampy. I yell more at Jack Crisp than I've yelled at anyone on that team, and I love the I, I love the boy, but Jesus, he makes some dumb Actually, decisions. He's not my Dane Rampy. Um, my I don't Dane Rampy. I don't hate. It's just more he did well last year when I said he wouldn't. It's more spite than anything. It's more my caddy. Uh, yeah, caddy who above uh, all yes. things I swear at caddy. There F- you go. FC. Yeah. Um, I don't need a caddy. 
Now on to mid premiums. So obviously the the big one was the big mover this year was Trelaw. We didn't even talk. Oh, you're going through mids, right? Yeah. Okay. Um. So Trelaw, um, <laughs> 615k averaged. Like, where's Grundy in all this? Uh, mate, I'm going through the sequentially, mate. Sequentially. I, I, I caught up. Um. Average 113.4. It was a career best year for Trelaw. Um. He increased his disposals per game by three and also led the competition for disposals. Um. By his confession, he believes it's mainly due to the 666. So he is of the opinion. The, the way that the 666 works, it allows midfielders or accumulators to actually get the ball more, which I don't know if that's true, but that's what he said. Um, so he does look to... There's no really foreseeable role change. So I do consider probably a similar output. I don't... I think that's probably his peak. Yep. I don't see oh, him as a 120-ish average player. I don't see player. him as a 120, but he could go 115 plus. Yeah. Um, 115 or 120 isn't out of reach. Absolutely. I, and I think the thing that's in his favour is you're not going to remove Trelaw from that midfield. You'll remove like a Pendlebury in the side bottoms. Yeah, and those he's, guys he's managing go that out. midfield for the next 10 years. Even Adams. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Trelaw is... He will be in that midfield and you won't get him out of it. Absolutely. Uh, the good thing with his stats, though, is that he did average 123.6 over his last 10 he rounds. Did. After the bye, he did have a huge one against the Suns as well. Uh, I know a few people threw a cheeky uh, It's a 170 or something, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was yeah. huge. Someone, I knew a few people threw a VC on him as well, which went absolutely massive. He did have some big scores, including a 135, 136, 150, and the 177 that you're absolutely. talking about. His only issue, or well, there's, there's a couple of negatives about it, his kicking efficiency is only 55%, which is terrible for a guy who gets as much uncontested ball as he does. Yes. And he's also ninth overall for Clangers last year. He turns the ball over like a like a merchant, like he's selling selling turnovers to the nearest bidder. He it's bad and and, and he knows it too, and he's trying he always well, tries to work on it. He knows it because his disposal efficiency is 70%, but his kicking efficiency is 50%. He's tried to handball more. Yeah, because his yeah. kicking efficiency is 55%, which yeah. means that to have a disposal efficiency of 70%. He's actually a good kick. It's he's, just, Dawn, he's Dawn the Oliver. It, it's actually him, decent. He's off. a decent kick of the football. Giving him off. But he, his turnovers, it just cost them so much. Um, I beg to differ. He's not a good kick of the football. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be a good kick of the football. Cool. Sure, Stats don't back that up. I can, hit, <laughs> just... I, can, I can kick the football a whole 40 metres, right? But it doesn't mean I'm hitting where I need to hit. He, he, a lot of the time when he's kicking, he's running at full pace. So that's when he generally makes bad decisions. No, no. Him running at full pace is him doing both his hamstrings. I've seen it. That, that, was, that was good gear. Um, so the other thing is, uh, so he is fairly consistent with games played. Um, he's fairly reliable. The only real time he's missed in the, his entire career. Double hammy. Uh, is a double hammy. Outside of that, he's played in 20 or more games in every season, but his rookie season. So he's reliable for games played as a midfielder, which means you're paying value and you're paying premium. However, his biggest issue is not necessarily to law. It's the fact that he's 615k and you can pay 10k more to go to Dangerfield. Oh. Who has what? A, a 130 potential? Or 15k more to go Mitchell, Ooh. and the the run below him is and Clayton Oliver at 590. Yeah, Oliver. So, I'd take Oliver over Trelaw. Uh, well, he, surely Oliver has more potential upside, right? Yeah, he's still young. He and, can still grow. And they I have think a, Oliver Trelaw's probably there. Surely probably they paying. have a piss easy draw, Melbourne, with Max Gorn running against a piss easy draw. So I just feel that as a mid selection. It is going to be guaranteed to be unique, but I don't necessarily be. think that you're winning that unique battle. I think that Dangerfield's a better selection at, at 625 with no Tim Kelly. In my opinion, at this point, I, I would rather bank on a Dangerfield who might only get 115, but he also might get 125 plus. Whereas Trelaw, if he has a good year, 
it's 115 cap, right? I, I can't see a really, really big top end for Trelaw, in my well, opinion. I don't know. I see a 123 average over 10 rounds. I'm thinking 115 to 120 is probably a consistent year with a few big rounds. And Trelaw's always had a big ceiling. Even at GWS when he broke oh, out, he, yeah. he went from like a 70 average to a 100 average, and even then he scored a 170-odd. So absolutely. he just needs to increase his basement, really put out, and do some good things with his disposals. <laughs> really put out, eh? Really put out. Um, I like a trailer that puts all right, out. So Apparently look, his missus is pregnant. I, I suppose so. the overall is... Um, Must have been. Yeah, oh, yeah, Kim Rebellion. Yeah, yeah. she's pregnant. Congratulations. She's, yeah, congratulations. You, you follow his missus on Instagram. I do. Yeah. <laughs> Sell she's out. an Australian netball champion. Sure. Um, also plays for the Magpies. Taking the year off, though. Sure. I'm lucky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sell it however you want. <laughs> Sell it as is. So look, I think overall with Trelaw, I'm not advising the pick, but I'm not against it. Like, there's so many reasons to pick him. But to me, I don't think he's top tier enough to spend 600k plus. Okay, I, I agree with you. If you're picking Trelaw, you're picking him on a pod basis only when you could be getting a proven person in that top six for around the same price. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. Other consideration. So your key there is don't pick pods for pod reasons. No, exactly right. Just just yep. because it's a pod doesn't mean doesn't it's, mean it's a good pick. You still got to make more points than you, the other person. With, <laughs> it's funny though because we started last year. People criticized me for my starting squad, but. Once we started, I brought in pods at a drop price, like an Elliot Yo and a few other people, Daniel Rich towards the end of the year, at a drop price, and you get your pods that way. And I still finished 360th. Do you know what I mean? You don't have to start with the most point-of-difference side in the world. You wait for those pods to drop, and you bring them in. Yep, I absolutely 100% agree with you. Uh, moving on. So there is a couple other mid premiums to talk about, but not really that anything that of note. Obviously, we've got Penelbury there. Um, he's averaged 100 plus in the last 12 seasons, which is ridiculous. Um, absolute champion. I don't see that changing. I think he'll still probably get 100. His role's not going to change, but I don't mm. think it's going to be a standard viable. He went from being Mr. De Pendlebury to Mr. I don't even know how you say it, inconsistent Pendlebury ish. Uh, he went. He's still as as he's, as inconsistent as a thirty-three year old could be. Okay. Yes. Right. But yeah, he's still averaging one hundred and three. Averaging well. I'm talking. Four. Sorry. But used to you'd be like, okay, dependably a hundred, 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 and yes, things have changed. But and now I know, he's, he's, I know these things other are games changing, are dropping but, in, and yeah. But now it becomes more of a smart sense. Whereas if the game's gone and if you're winning it, possibly they might he might withdraw a little bit. No point burning yourself. If you're winning, right? Absolutely. But you would see he was inconsistent. He had a 111, 115, a 119, a 127, 133, 135, 138, 138, 146. Huge games. Awesome, right? But he also had paired scores, and we're talking paired, a 66 and a 71 game to game, side by side, and then a 72 and a 74, side by side, Yep. and then a 79 and an 85, side by side. So now, I think a little bit of that is role. Um, he's been asked to play different roles throughout last year because he's old well it's mainly to fill gaps in the team like it he is. can do whatever like he he's it's that experience that he can play wherever they want they could put him in the forward pocket he'd kick 40 goals i don't know about that his marking's not great <laughs> it's, the one, it's the one aspect of the game for a guy using, who's 192 centimeters using his chi yeah using his chi fair enough i don't know i'm just saying anyway he's a good I, again i would say avoid in standard uh but um, very viable in draft as his second or third midfield selection. He's yep. still going to get those big scores. Great vice-captain option. I think he's, he's all right. I think he's a good score. Uh, now, one that's sort of a little bit under the radar with a lot of potential uh, is Taylor Adams, um, 525K. So not really cheap enough to really be impactful at that price. <sighs> I wish he was a defender again. I know. Um, average. He averaged 96.7. However, 
Uh, last He played five of the last six games of the season and he averaged 106.2 in those games. He's been injured and he's always injured, which is his biggest issue is he just can't run out a full season. But if you can get his body right, he's got great value in, in a draft league where you might pick him up at, say, 100 average. I still think he provides a lot of value Ooh. at that mid-spot. Oh, yeah, look, okay, okay, yeah, around 100 average, that's fair. But yeah. he, here's the thing, though. He's had, what, one full season? That's the his biggest issue, is that? What, like, Guaranteed. one, one, one full season. Absolutely. So do not pick him in standard because he oh, does... You can't pick him in standard. Absolutely A, a flash in the pan. One, what, one in six, one in seven? How many seasons has this guy played? He just doesn't last a full season. One time. Even He's Bra- just injury prone. Even Brad Crouch can last a bloody season. Like, just, you know, I like Taylor Adams. I like what he does. I wish I want to pick him more times. However, my head just won't let me do it. It's, I think he provides so much for Collingwood. He provides so much for the game. Yep. But as far as picking him, even for standard, uh, for draft, sorry, just make sure that you are aware that there could be a chance he only plays you 15, 16, 17 games. It's just one of those things. And at the moment, he had a lower, just before Christmas, had a lower leg problem, was in a moon boot, was missing training because of it. So they reckon he should be back after Christmas. But again, it's one of those things. It's if it's classic Taylor well, Adams. If it's not your hamstrings, all of a sudden it's a lower leg injury. Like, what's going on? Yeah, he's, he's unfortunate because he's one of the best at his type of, like, that the Collingwood lack. Collingwood lack that real grunt midfielder. Yeah. He is that player. And when he's not there, you can tell. Um, that they lack in that department. So I, I really hope he does get better because Collingwood are a better team when Taylor Adams is well, nothing about. He's part of the Adams family. Instead of being all messed up, like, you know, looks, he's just messed up physically. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, now, there is some draft value out there. I'll just quickly mention, obviously, um, Steel Sidebottom. Um, we predicted last year, and no one listened to us, that... Um, yeah, moving inside it was not a great thing for his average. Uh, he actually didn't it didn't help him at all. Um, he's gone down again uh, this year, uh, down to ninety four. Yes. Um, I don't think that it's worth picking him up at all in um, in standard and in draft. I I reckon you can get him for around what he is. And, and the thing, uh, it's not a value pick. Not a value it's pick. You pick him up. on probably around true average, or maybe hopefully get even lower for uh, some additional value, but he has played 65 of 66 games. So he is yeah, very durable. Reliable for that. Yeah. Uh, that's a, the last three seasons. Uh, the season gone, he did get 10 hundreds, including five over 118. Absolutely. However, and this is a crucial part, and this hurts, five scores of 67 or less. Yeah. 67 Again, or less. Slightly role-related. Um, that when hurts. He's, when he was on... the. If his mainstay is on the wing, he can get big, big numbers and perform really well. Otherwise, However, he goes missing like against GWS. He goes missing behind the ball or in front of the ball or quite <laughs> often. See the GWS game? Yeah. Where was he? The lowest disposals, and I can't remember the stats. I did see the game. But there were multiple Pies players that had the fewest disposal that they've had all year Terrib- against GWS. Oh, well, can in we a, not talk about that In game? a final. It's so upsetting. Hey, you brought it up. <laughs> I did bring it up. In a um, final. The other one, of course, is Dane Beams. And I, I, again, yes. we do wish him all the best. Um, I hope that he comes back because he's an absolute jet if he gets off up and running. He's only priced at 81 points per game. I think that you can definitely get a good draft value out of him. I think he does play round one. Oh, I think he comes back really? to the club. Yeah, he will. And I, like, I, I, I don't know the inner, the inner club or, or how oh. he's actually feeling. I know he's going through a lot. No one does. And if they did, they wouldn't speak. But usually in these sort of situations, they do get themselves right in preseason He's probably still training. He's just not doing any work with the club. I do not hold that optimism. He 
took time off last year. I, I, I'm assuming he's still, you know, with all the demons and everything like that. But he also did go on a massive hike and did the uh, Kokoda. Kokoda Trail in the off-season. So I think going to the Kokoda Trail, he might have been in a pretty good headspace, yep. challenged himself to do some fitness in the off-season to try and get himself right, and then took time off. Mm-hmm. So I don't see him starting round one. I see him taking an extended period of time. Be interesting to see. I think I hope he comes back sooner rather than later. But he's for, an absolute jet. for a draft absolute for a draft perspective, for me, it would be more like Stevens last year. How you pick him up, hoping he's going to come back, but you don't. Yeah, know if but he's you wouldn't come pick back. him early anyway. I mean, no. he's, he's at eighty one. You can pick him up as your second last or last midfielder spot I, I, as a as a value pick. So last midfielder, if and then I would be picking depth after that. Because I don't know when he's going to come back. Yeah, of course. Well, usually you load up your bench with mids anyway. Try and plug those holes. Or, or DPP. Anyway, yes. on, on to uh, the next one. So on the ruck uh, transition, uh, obviously Brody Grundy, absolute jet. Two years in a row, averaging 130. Oh, so um, good. Lock, he will be the number one SE player um, locked into most sides at the start of this season. However, there is one caveat with his role watching the preseason because unfortunately we don't know if Collingwood are going to play that extra tall and if they do how much is that going to impact Brody Grundy's time on, at, in Ruck oh, I don't think it's going to impact it too much I don't even, think so either but even with Mason Cox around the ground and who he can tap out and they were using him to difference, tap out difference is what now Mason, with, yeah, with Mason Cox playing forward he played forward 90% of the game Okay. so he was only very much in the Ruck for 10% of the game whereas yeah, if you get someone who's playing Ruck forward like Darcy Cameron and you play them as a as a tall as a, in a three tall system you'll probably play more ruck time I'd argue my, my figure might jump up to 15 to 20 percent that could adversely affect Grundy's numbers so maybe so, like what a 120 or a 115 which means he's overpriced and then you should get Gorn as that number one instead of true so I am of the opinion that Grundy will still be the 130 averaging player that we all know and love and that, and why would you change a broken formula However, watch it in preseason. It's going to be really interesting. If they do start lining up with that three-tall ruck system, um, I would just be wary of it because it could impact Brody Grundy adversely. Just a, just a, a little bit of it. That's a, fair. Um, it's just something to take note of when you're watching the, the Just to look at Grundy's season as well. He had five 130 pluses, three 140s, two 150s, one 170. And uh, a pass in the Well, essentially five scores over 157. So he is a very reliable super coach option. However, I probably wouldn't put him on as a C in round one because round one, the last two years, he seemed to go a little bit under par. He has. And everyone seems to rage. And we keep telling everyone every year, big boys take a little longer to get going because they're bigger. to get that run into their legs. They're bigger beings. It takes them a couple of rounds to get the run into their legs. And even like people like Sanderlands who finishes... Used to finish years averaging 120 plus. I think Gorn they, and they start off Gorn slower. Grundy this year did the same thing in round one. They Somet- both went yeah, like 80. Sometimes or they start yeah. slower, and that's okay. But the good thing with Grundy is he has played 85 out of 88 games the last four seasons, and um, look, including he's played every game the last two years. So you, how can you fault someone that's played every game the last two years? Fair enough, I agree. So I don't think there's much else that needs to be said about Granny, Ooh. but I think most people will have him in their Except in their list. Looking at the draw, they play Bulldogs round one. He's going to smash Tim English. He'll smash him. Richmond round two. Nankervis. Nankervis. Well, he's had another hip surgery, so who knows how they're going. Yep. Uh, then they play Hawthorne, so that's probably McAvoy. Yeah, that's a pretty good contest. Lions. Martin, Martin, but he, he usually towels Martin. He should towel him up, right? Usually okay. Port Adelaide, Martin. you're versing a light set. set. He should do well there. Essendon. 
Right. Who is going to be Essendon's ruck e- this year? Exactly. I reckon Draper is a shout to... Uh, St Kilda, you're going to have a couple of mobile. And, yeah, he might have to double team, but they're not exceptionally tap ruckman. Uh, Giants after that, Jacobs. Carlton after that, you're looking at, you know, old man who McGee. Went, who went there now? Oh, is um, Cruz is still there? Yeah. Cruz is still there. and then like Probably Pit, injured. Pit, Pitney <laughs> or something, rather. And then, finally, uh, you're looking at their North Melbourne and Eagles. So, you're looking until round 10... He doesn't have run. he doesn't have that many quality ruckmen he's, to oppose. And look, he's the he's the number one player for a reason. He's consistent. Yep. And he plays every game until round ten. Round ten, you then have um, he'll have Goldstein, he'll have Nick Nat, and he'll have Gorn three games in a row. But before that, the first nine rounds, it could be his to fully Which blow makes up. a great captain choice. Fully blow open the first yep. nine rounds. Just lock um, it in. I think they play early in the first round too. I think they play the Friday night, so definitely a VC option the first week. Uh, first round Friday night, yeah. Yep. Do it. Perfect. Alrighty. Now, uh, on to the next lines of forward premiums. As I said, Jordan Degoe, 87.3 this year, 473k. He's around at that price point of your Jordan Dawson, yeah. your Darcy Parrish, and your Hugh Greenwood. So that potential to be that F3 spot. It's like what Petrarca could have been if he had talent. <laughs> Everyone keeps waiting for him to break out, right? Oh, that's so funny. That's also so true. I love Petrarca, but he, he keeps giving you 80 averages. When's he going to break out? He's Jordan, never breaking out, bro. He's, a, he's an Jordan, average footballer. Jordan Degoe actually looks like he's going to hit that 95 average, which I, would be amazing. I, I do is think that, it's is possible. That, is that harsh? No, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's harsh at all. Is that harsh? So it's, it's obviously all... They want him in the midfield because he goes in the midfield and he is a dominating presence in the midfield. However, that transition, whether it's this year, whether it's next year, I don't know when that's going to happen. And he may be too valuable to their forward line to let him go. So it it will all depend on the preseason. Keep a, keep a watch. Um, the unfortunate thing as well is he's always manages somehow to miss a season, whether it's bitten by his dog, suspended yeah. for six matches, breaks his leg, whatever the hell it is. Um, he always manages to somehow not play a full season. However, it's not always injury-related. So keep an eye on it. Um, but he's just highly impactful with his disposals. He actually averages really low numbers, but his um, his SC point per disposal is super high. Yep. So he does a lot with the disposals that he gets. Uh, draft relevant. Very draft relevant. Standard, you'd have to have balls the size of like. I don't know Kingdom if he's if he's showing that role. If he's playing pure midfield in preseason, why wouldn't you pick him? Well, I guess there's, there's he's a, so underpriced. There's the an opportunity so open with if even with Beamsy out. If he doesn't start, there's definitely opportunity to for someone to sneak in. It's it's in, it's a year that you could say either it's a breakout year or if he doesn't play that role then you just you just wait. What's you can afford to wait until he breaks out and starts playing permanent mid minutes. What are the chances of him averaging ninety plus for the season? Do you think? If he plays midfield, no, rega- guaranteed. Re- regardless of games, regardless of games played, let's take that out the window. But what do you think the chance of him averaging ninety plus? Good without being great. I reckon there's a. It's more likely than unlikely the what, average is. What's 90 the number? Plus. I reckon sixty percent. Okay, I was going to say seventy. Okay. So, so yeah. which means that he's a solid, he's a solid choice. He's not going to be like if you see him play midfield, yeah, you jump, jump on. on him. You okay. got it. You got to get on him. But even if he plays forward, he's still going to average you well. He's just not going to average amazing. So great draft choice, regardless. Yeah. But for standard, if only if you see him play midfield minutes, would you be jumping yeah. on him? So eighty-seven point three average, even with draft, get him slightly ahead of that, just because of the I upside. If he goes unders, you might lose what three points per game. Who cares? You can make it up elsewhere. But if you get him around that ninety average, the upside at least yeah, you could be upside. making a lot more points. I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to to go this year. I, 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 he's my favorite player by far at, the, at that club now. Yep, um, I think that's fair. 
now on to the rookies. Um, so there are some other mid prices that you know you've got Stevenson, Nelly, and stuff. Honestly, they are draft relevant a little bit. Yeah, but they're, they're only averaging yeah. something like seventy and eighty. They're more like F five, D five, or bench players. It's, they're not really worth a huge conversation no. about. Um, there is some valid rookies uh, at the Pies this year. They drafted really, really well considering they had really late picks. So their pe- first pick was um, was forty and forty five. Um, they didn't get into the draft because obviously they traded for Dane Beams and that pick went over to Brisbane. Yeah, thanks for that. You're welcome. And then we traded um, on. Actually, we, I think we kept that pick. Or no, we traded it to Port. Who no knows? No idea. So the, who they picked up? So Jay Rantle and Trent Bianco, uh, Bianco or Bianco um, is their ter- first two, and both of them were draft sliders. Um, they were tipped to go late first, early uh, late first round or early second round, and they both slid out. Um, the Pies were ecstatic with that. They actually had planned to go into the draft getting the best tool available, and they completely shifted their draft strategy once those guys slid. Um, so they actually completely shifted their approach. Um, Randall is 117k mid with an enormous tank. And just to put this in perspective, he broke the two-kilometer time trial record at the Combine by 14 seconds, which is ridiculous, um, at 550. So he went sub-six-minute 2K. He then went straight into the preseason, won both time trials at the Pies. That's above Tom Phillips and Steel Sidebottom, who have won it for the past 10 years. So he's literally just jumped straight in. He's a massive, massive engine, massive tank. Jesus. And he's kind of like a, a do-everything player. Um, he's a bit a bit raw in his in his talent because he's a former basketballer, as Pies loved getting those ex-basketballers. Um, and he's a balanced midfielder who can play inside and out and do everything. Tackles hard uh, and often. Um, he averaged six tackles per game in the under-18 championships. Can go forward and kick a goal as well, and he averaged a goal a game. He can accumulate the ball as well. He averaged 25 disposals per game until he was moved to a wing in the championships where he averaged 19. No wonder he got tackles. No one knew he was bloody coming. Yeah, right? He sneaks up. They're like, oh, yes, and um, tackled. Go when on. he moved outside, so he's sort of an inside-outside midfielder, but definitely he's, uh, for super coach relevancy, we want him playing inside. He's outside when he was there. He still averaged 19 disposals, but his contested possessions went down from 45% rate to 32% rate. So yeah. he but dropped that, quite a bit. But that's the thing, though. The, the fitter you are, the more outside, the you, more outside you. you become because all they need a, to do is put it out into space and you'll get there absolutely. before your opponent. I see him as a backup on the wings to Steel Bottom, at, yeah. to Steel Bottom, Steel Side Bottom <laughs> and Steel Tom bottom. Phillips. So if one of those yeah. goes down... He will get, and he'll get games this year. But that's the thing: you have those that have the big brutes and the contested possessions. Uh, you know, the, the people that have time to spare, they get it to the outside. Absolutely. Whereas you have, uh, like the Tom Scullys, the guys that are fitter. You know, they tend to the Isaac Heaney's. Oh no, not Isaac Heaney. What am I thinking of? No. Isaac Smith. Isaac Smith. The yes. ones that are on the outside, the the fitter people tend to get the ball on the outside because there's there's paddock to burn if you get out there. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's cool. So I do think he wow. will play this year. I, I, I odds on uh, injury to the midfield on the outside, he will get a game. Yeah. Um, and I, he, he's absolutely tearing up the track. Like I couldn't believe that he just rocks up day one at an AFL club and just smashes their time trial to bits. That's like, full on, especially if you get like an injury to side bottom, um, or you get an injury to Tom Phillips. Phillips, then he he has to be the next best runner. He's next off. Exactly right. He'll be. He's the best runner at the club now. That's insane. Anyway, um, Bianco is a 117 defender mid. Um, unlikely to get games early, I think, just because of the huge depth that Collingwood have behind the ball. Now, as I said, they want to get Isaac Quainor in the Quainor, whatever, IQ, I'm going to call him. Giggity, giggity. They want to get him. Scharenberg's back fit. Um, you'll get, as I said, uh, Tom Langdon coming back as well. 
and you've got a, a fairly experienced core de- uh, core defenders. However, great super coach option if he's there. He's seen as the accumulating quarterback style defender. So he's the guy that is basically your Jake Lloyd. Very, very good user, elite elite kicking skills, and great decision maker. Well, um, yeah. he's, he's the go to player to initiate defense. If Langdon has a bit of time off, there might be a little spot at True. some point. So as a as a halfback flanker, he was averaging twenty two point two disposals per game, which yeah. is insane. Keep an eye out. So yeah, definitely keep an eye out. Um, again, I don't think he'll start, uh, but he may get games through the year. But it's only going to be if their back line gets absolutely shot to shit. Yep. And he starts to put his hand up. Yep. And there's another one that's yeah. in front of him probably. Um, Nathan Murphy, 123K defender. He's obviously been on the list for a few years. Um, last year was injured. Um, and he's had a couple of years development. He actually has played two games in 2018. So a couple of years back. But he only averaged 38. So he is back to rookie price. Rookie price. I still think he's probably behind IQ. But he's probably in front of Bianco. Okay, in but in, in the same sort of mix. Yeah, he's more of that sort of... He's that sort of tall halfback flanker. So he's more of that Jeremy Howe style. Basically, player. you're telling me that those two players could get a game, but their security is quite low. Absolutely, yep. yep. Okay. Um, Darcy Cameron, as we said, I think he'll probably be in most starting squads as a rock forward um, option. Yep, and hopefully he plays. Yeah, so you could link him but, with Comden, which is the North Melbourne guy. Yep, um, don't pick him expecting him to be another Rob. Let's just put it out. No, there. he's not gonna. He's not gonna uh, score like that. No, no not unless Grundy goes down. Then maybe him and Cox. Um, but no, nah, absolutely, don't, not. don't do it. Um, the other one that will get games this year, and they've they've mooted him to play this year at some point. But again, it'll be just role and 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 talent. Uh, Tyler Brown, who is uh, Callum Brown's um, brother and uh, a taller brother, he's a one ninety two centimeter midfielder. So. Tall midfielder, spent Good the time height. playing midfield last year, but unfortunately he's not really an accumulator. So I don't think even if he gets games, he's going to impact enough super coach wise to make it worth it. But I'll keep an eye on him anyway because um, I do think he'll get games. It's just I don't think he's going to score very well. So we'll see how that goes. The old uh, also super coach midfielder that you pick and then he spuds up with a thirty and makes you no money. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, the other option, the other problem is if there's two midfielders in front of him for that same role, and they're in my preseason watch, which is Rupert Wills and Braden Sire. So both of those guys are battling for one position. Yes. And one of them will win out round one. And they're both probably a bit too expensive, though. Sure. They are definitely, yeah. So uh, Rupert Wills is three thirty-seven k, and Braden Sire is two fifty-nine k. So it's almost enough to be like start Brain Sire and field. Yeah, except for the fact that Brain Sire averaged 49.7 over six rounds this Absolutely. year. Absolutely, yeah. Yes, you can look at his 2018 where he did some good things. However, if you look at 2019, Brendan Sire was just makes you want to sigh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, it was uh, bad. Again, they, did, he didn't, they didn't have the role this year. And he only played play. 58% time on ground though. Exactly. So there is room for upside. It's like, Huge upside hey, let's pick. bring in an inside midfielder and let's just make you play half the game. Which I don't understand. What a slap in the face. Um, but yeah, he'll they'll be battling it out too. There's one spot available for that tall you know, inside midfielder. Rupert Wills or Braden Sire will get it. Um, no guarantee who it's going to be. So at this point, it's sort of a wait and see on the, on both of those guys. I've heard better things about Wills than I have Sire. I have Sire. as well. The, 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 this, the, this pre-season. the preseason is more focused on Wills than it is about Sire. Yep. So we'll just see how that goes. Uh, it could be a conspiracy theory. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, another one, of course, as I said, IQ, they want to get him into that defense, but he is 261K. So I'm not necessarily sure that that's a good value selection. 
um, or someone like where you would spend that extra premium to get a guy that's no, going to be on the field. It's because his output's a bit wishy-washy anyway. No, so you don't do it, especially with being defence and the options you have around you. People that have done it before. Yep. Um, your Doday and your Robertson and your even your Hill. People that are either cheaper or around the same price that have better output and more consistency. You don't pick a second-year player. Um, no, just don't do it. Well, the other one that I want to look at um, as a breakout contender this year is Callum Brown. I do think that Callum Brown at some point during this season will get a role shift. And he played really, really impressive off the half-forward flank as a link player, but he's really a, an inside ball winner. So yeah, he, if he gets some time around the ball, he could spike and potentially break out. It just depends if he can get that time. He's definitely got some X factor. Like, yeah, absolutely. He, one of those guys, yeah. and I don't know him that well enough, but it's one of those guys that you kind of look like can just make something happen out of nothing. That X factor where you're like, yeah. he's got a bit of zig, he's got a bit of zag, and then all of a sudden he'll do something. And you're like, right. What but if, then the next play if, he'll completely Yeah, stuff right, up. but you yeah. see things and you're like, right, this guy's like, got talent. Little, yeah, talented little, you know. Um, so, yeah, if he if he can get uh, break into that midfield permanently, he will, um, unfortunately, again, price-wise, 370K. There's too many questions on that. Um, no, and I even then, even still, pass on he's draft. He's also not really locked into that no, 22, so... Just pass on draft, and if he starts to do well, try and jump yeah. him early. That's For those kind of players, you want to have a couple speculatives, but you might as well leave it and watch them so you can jump on them first off the waiver. Absolutely. Don't jump early on those kind of guys. Jump people a bit more safer with upside, and then the ones that you actually think are below them, just keep an eye out. Like Chris does, like Clayton Oliver, pick him up quarter one when I try to pick him up at quarter two in JLT. It was great times, yeah. You're an times. asshole. You're welcome. I still, I'm never going to live that down. No. Um, that's it. That's, that's, that's it. the Collingwood review in a nutshell, oh, guys. Thank God. So uh, wasn't I'm glad too, that we got through it. Wasn't too painful. And uh, next we'll have Carlton, which have uh, zero relevance, but we'll get there anyway. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks, guys. I'm saying that because it's Collingwood right now. Yeah, of course. Carlton, I love you. I'll talk to you later. Bye. The C is for the courage I possess through the drama. H is for the hurt, but it's all for the honor. A is for my attitude, working through the patience. Money comes and goes, so the M is for motivation. Gotta stay consistent, the P is to persevere. The I is for integrity, innovative career. The O is optimistic, open and never shut. And the N is necessary, cause I'm never giving up. See, they ask me how I did it, I just did it from the heart. Crushing the competition, been doing it from the start. They say that every champion is all about his principles. Carry. Bye.